All right, let's turn to two places this morning. And we're going to start at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to bring you something we've talked about from time to time, but I think it, it bears repeating because it's just something that isn't always easy to do. And that is to keep our focus where we need to keep it. How many of you know that life is full of distractions? Amen? Life is full of distractions. And uh, we're going to talk about a way to keep our focus. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Why, why do we think that God can handle some of the cares but not others? So we... Uh, we carry some of them around sometimes, don't we? But he tells us to cast all our care upon him, for he careth for you. And then Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, he says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. On one hand, we're told to cast all our care on him, but not to cast away our confidence. And I'm afraid sometimes we do just the opposite. We hang on to our cares and we cast our confidence away. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Heavenly Father, help us in the few moments we have left together here. Uh, what a good service it's been. The singing, the fellowship, uh, hearing from our young people and, and uh, just being together in your name, anticipating your soon return. Uh, Father, we realize that... Uh, as, as the world drives by and, and looks and observes, uh, they may not know what they're seeing, but what they're seeing is something that portends to the future. One of these days, you're pulling us out. You're pulling us out of here, taking us home. And Lord, among other things, that's what this picture is this morning. Uh, we're, we're separating out from the world for a while, and we're gathering around your word, and we're adoring you, and, and we're asking, Lord, that you would guide and direct now and, and look to us in this time and, and speak to us. Father, help me to get out of the way. And we pray that you would do what only the word of God can do. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now that seems pretty straightforward and easy enough. But how often do we get distracted? And so we hear the buzzword all the time now, even in corporate America, focus, focus, uh, a point of concentration. You see it in sports, a batter trying to hit a ball coming at him at 90 miles an hour, he's got to be focused. If he's thinking about who's in the stands or what he looks like in his uniform, that ball's going to be by him before ever before he ever flinches. Uh, a shooter aimed at the target has got to be concentrating. Uh, I'm not the best shot with a rifle. I'm pretty good with a shotgun. I like something that throws out a broad pattern. But when you're, when you're shooting rifle, you, they, they say when you're pulling that trigger, your, your concentration on the target and and it should even, the trigger should surprise you. You pull it so smoothly down, 
instead of jerking it and keeping that thing bearing down right on the target. Concentration, focus. I read somewhere where some of these guys in martial arts, I don't know if I believe this or not, but I'm just going to tell you I read it. Uh, they had, they had uh, certain guys that could stand in front of a, an arrow. They'd shoot an arrow at them, and they could deflect it. Uh, you know, the learning curve for that would be real steep. Because <laughs> yeah, you're only going to get one chance, all right? You got all the guys that made it are up here. And all the guys that didn't are down here, and that's it. I mean, there's no four or five tries on that one. But, I mean, if that's true, if that's true, then uh, that, that's some pretty incredible concentration and, and focus. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something we've done before, but we'll do it again for the sake of those that haven't. I'm going to ask you to just put your, your, a finger right in front of your face, maybe six inches away from your nose, and I'm going to ask you to look at that finger. Just focus on it. And I want you to notice something, that as you're focused on that finger, everything else around you gets blurry. Now, while keeping that finger there, I want you to look past it at something else. And notice that the same effect, only in reverse, takes place. If you're focused on something else, this finger goes blurry. God gave us in the physical the ability to focus on one thing at a time. And, and so it is with the heart and soul that he wants us to be focused in a way that one thing will be clear and those things that tend to distract will become the things that get obscured. Let's take our Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 3. I, I don't think I'm saying anything to you here this morning that you don't already know. But I got to tell you, as I was looking at this all week and again this morning, I realized I need this all over again. I need this all over again. Because it's so easy to lose sight of. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Paul says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Now I want you to see a single-mindedness in all of this with Paul. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Notice the single-mindedness and Paul's focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I haven't achieved these things yet. I don't count myself to have apprehended. But he says, this one thing I do, there's that single-mindedness again, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Boy, so often we get tripped up We get tripped up trying to walk into the future facing backwards because our focus uh, is on things that already happened, either in the positive or the negative. And then he says in verse 14, I press press toward the mark, 
the mark, there's the bullseye, the mark, there's the target for the prize of the high calling of God. And here we go again, in Christ Jesus. Singular focus. So I ask you this morning, are you casting away your care or your confidence? Because that's going to make the difference as to whether we can keep our focus on Christ or not. He says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, a lot of times we know God is able. We know God is able. We know God. Look, folks, if God created the entire universe, including man, in six 24-hour periods, do you really think there's anything in your life he can't handle? I mean, I mean, if you really think there's something in your life he can't handle, talk to me about it after the service in light of his creative powers. Uh, the parting of the Red Sea, the feeding of the thousands, uh, raising people from the dead, uh, making the blind to see again and the deaf to hear. We know he's able, but sometimes we question whether he's willing. We question whether he's willing. I, I'm not a big daredevil. I'm not a big daredevil. I, I like to snow ski. I've seen people that snow ski that, and, and, and back when I was hardcore about it in my 30s, uh, they wouldn't let you do jumps and stuff because they were worried about liability at the ski resort. So the, the uh, ski patrol would knock those things down. Now they build them for them. Uh, maybe one of you lawyers could explain this to me later, but it seems the liability has changed or something. And man, these kids on snowboards and skis, you know, they hit these ramps and they're flipping around and all that stuff. And, you know, they're really athletic. But, man, if you're 15 feet in the air and you land straight on your head, and the law of averages say, it says you will eventually. There are some laws of physics involved there. And, and, you know, so I'm not a big daredevil. But I remember a number of years ago, speaking of high school camp, it was a summer high school camp. And uh, one of the activities we had was rappelling. And I remember the first year we did it, I'd never rappelled before. I'd just seen pictures of uh, soldiers rappelling off the side of a rock and kicking way out there and sliding down. And, and it looked pretty exciting, but it wasn't anything I said to myself, man, I, I wish I could do that. And sure enough, here we are, we got an activity for rappelling. So I thought, well, I, I got to go, you know, I'm not going to have any of these kids say to me, hey, how come you didn't go rappelling? And have to say, well, I'm scared. <laughs> so I went. And I would say we were 100 feet in the air anyways. I don't know if it was 125 or 95, but it was 100, it was 100 feet, give or take. And we got up there. And man, I remember when we got up there, sitting on that big rock, Right near that ledge, I remember looking over that ledge and there was a road down there and all the cars looked like little matchbox cars. And all the people looked like little dots down there. And, and, the, and the breeze is blowing and I'm wearing this helmet and I'm thinking, if I fall that far, this little brain bucket isn't going to do anything. You know, they'll pry that thing off of my dead head. And so we're sitting there and the guy's instructing us how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. And, and, and to be honest with you, he, he didn't... I don't know, did you ever meet one of those outdoorsy type of people that looked like they were a throwback from the Vietnam protests and a lot of LSD and a Volkswagen van? And, 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 he, and he had that whole way about him, even the way he talked, woo, you know. And he had a dog in a tuxedo wearing a pair of glasses. 
and his name was Herbie or something. I, I don't know, just the whole thing just didn't, it just didn't exude confidence. But he's explaining how this all works, and I thought, well, he's the guy we hired. He does this for a living, and okay. And I remember a couple of the, the gung-ho guys, they, you know, they went first. They, they got there and ready, aim, fired. They leaned back and went on down, and so I thought, well, I'm not going to sit here all day. You know, the longer I sit, the worse this is going to get, so... I went ahead, got over there, I stood up, and the minute he snapped that rope into my belt, something in me said, (laughs) you shouldn't be here. You really shouldn't be here. And, And I remember he said to me, okay, lean back. And let me tell you something, when you're standing over 100 feet over a cliff and the wind's blowing through your helmet, lean back is what every cell in your body does not want to do. And I remember looking at him, and I, I just said this. I, I, some of you are grown up now that were kids back then. I just said, you're nuts. That's exactly what I said. He said, no, go ahead, lean back. Everything's good. He said, you know, your rope's good, your carbiner's good, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I looked down at that bracket standing between me and falling 100 feet, and it was held down by one big lag bolt that this throwback from the LSD days put in himself. And I remember one of the smart out kid goes, trust God, preacher. <laughs> I wanted to unclip and kill that kid. Send him off without a rope. But I got to tell you, I got, and, and I really did. I, I, I mean, the kid was being a smart out, but I was trying to process this spiritually. I was saying, okay, Lord, now, all right, please take care of me. But then I got thinking, what if the Lord's up there going, what are you doing that for? You know, and, and I'm a big believer that God created the, the whole universe in, in, in six 24-hour days. I know he's able, but I'm wondering if he's sitting there watching me going, Hey, if you're going to do that, you're on your own, man. <laughs> and I remember standing up there, and, and the longer it went, the worse it got. So finally, at one point, I just said, okay, I'm coming home, Lord. <laughs> and I leaned back, and, you know, once I felt it would hold me, and I got over that ledge and everything, it was all great and all that. But, you know, a lot of times, that's how it goes. We get into a situation where we know God is able, but we're just wondering, is he willing And I think that's when we lose sight of the promises of the word of God. I think of Israel in the wilderness. I mean, a lot of times people think, well, if I just saw the, if God would just show me a big miracle, I'd believe more. Folks, the Jews saw God part the Red Sea. They walked by on dry land. They got on the other side. The Egyptians came in and and God just collapsed the whole thing on them like, like Moses had a remote. And when they got out there, and they lacked water, and, and they, didn't, they, couldn't, they, couldn't know, they, they couldn't see where they were going to get their food, and, and, and they concluded, Moses, you and God just sort of conspired to bring us out here so we could, we could die in the wilderness. That's why God did all that. Now, you know, we look at them and we say, how foolish. But I got to tell you, I've done essentially the same thing with the Lord. 
And when I consider how good God's track record is to me in the past, I'm more amazed that I could doubt than that I could believe he can get me through another tough situation. Isn't God good? And, and, and let me say this this morning. Maybe this just sounds so bonehead simple and almost juvenile, but folks, he loves you. He really does. You say, but man, I did all these stupid... He knows you're stupid. <laughs> Anybody here that think that God doesn't know what our weaknesses are and, and our shortcomings and our, our limitations and, and, and frankly, our, our ignorance and sometimes even to the point of stupidity. But the Bible says we're complete in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, but in him. We're accepted in the beloved, not in ourselves, but in him. You know, all this uh, modern Christian psychology, it, it doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't promote the confidence that, that, it, that it aims to promote. All this business about, you know, you're, you're just so important. And, and the importance of, you know, self-esteem and self-love and self and all these self-hyphenated names. By the way, the only self-hyphenated uh, phrase in the New Testament is we're to esteem others better than ourselves. But all this bravado about, you know, you're just... Oh, you're, you're, really, you're really great. Turning us into trophy Christians. Kind of like the expression trophy kids that have been told they've done everything great their whole lives and, you know, and now, they, now they can't come to work anymore unless they get, get made you know, employee of the month. You know what? Deep down inside, I think we all suspect and we really do know that we weren't somebody that God couldn't do without. You know, he just looked, he just looked over the, the rails of heaven and he said, oh man, if I don't get that guy, we're done. You know, I, I, better, I better figure out a way to get him on our team. You know what? God doesn't love you because you're important. Because in the big scheme of things, you're not. Can I explain to you how it really works? You're important because God loves you. And you know, that lines up a lot better with the truth. Because I know who I am. At least I think I do. And, and you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, God doesn't, God just isn't going to come through for me the, the way I'd like him to. He, he doesn't love me as, as much as the next guy. But may I assure you this morning, he does. He does. If you've been saved 20, 30, 40, 50 years, he loves you just as much as when you were saved for 20 minutes. And you remember how much you, you felt the love of God and the relief and, and, and what your reaction was? And, and folks, it's no different. It's like, it's like little babies. Uh, we, we, got our, we got our kids staying with us here for a little while, Matt and Katie and, and, and the little groom, goomers. And uh, uh, the little guy, he's about... Uh, Five, right? About five. I call him Lefty because he's the only other Lefty in the family. Um, they had to go out and adopt one. I, I just couldn't get that gene to go through the, the pool, huh? It died somewhere. Um, and then, the, and then the, the littlest one, she's two, right? And I call her Screechy. She can break glass. She can break glass. And, you know, we look at, we look at little goomers. We look at little babies. 
And we think they're so cute. And every time I see one of those kids in their mom or dad's arms and go up to them, look, I always say to the kid, kid, you got it made and you don't know it. Right? Because everybody thinks they're cute. They can do no wrong. And they get by on that. And, and, you know, sometimes we think it's like that with God. You know, he thought we were really cute when we were little babies. But, you know, now that we've become awkward spiritual adolescents, he's not so interested in us. Folks, he still loves you today as much as he did the day he saved you. And it'll never change because it's not based on your performance. It's based on his love for his son. And if you're in his son, you are accepted in the beloved. And you have grounds to come to him in prayer. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Maybe this is less of a sermon and more of a pep rally. I don't know. But if you're like me, I, I I can lose sight of this. I can lose sight of this. Mark chapter 4, and Mark chapter 4 and verse, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in choke the word, and it becometh fruitful. All right, you know, we talked last night about the lust of other things. And we could talk about the deceitfulness of riches, but would you notice that first one in verse 19? And the cares of this world, our cares will choke out the word of God. Our cares will choke out the word of God. Have you ever done this? I've been reading my Bible in the morning, and that's when I do my Bible reading. I've been reading my Bible in the morning, and I'll read several chapters, and I can't even remember what I read because I was thinking about some cares that I had. Now, that, that's just, you know, that's a, a, a vivid on-the-table-in-your-face example about how the cares of this world can choke the word out. But, but, but God wants us to have the victory uh, over those cares. He wants us to know that he's, okay, to use the expression, he's got our back. He's got our back. Do you ever notice how many times in the Psalms you get the idea that God and David had, had something worked out, almost uh, by way of contract, where... Where, where David says, Lord, I'll fight your battles if you'll fight mine. And that is the way it works. He's got your back. Look at, uh, look at uh, verse 35 in the same chapter. Look at verse 35 in the same chapter. And, and the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over on the other side. So Jesus says, hey, we're gonna get a, you know, you're going to get in a boat, we're going to pass over on the other side. And and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Um, How many of you are in, uh, you do motion sickness real well? Yeah, I'm a big motion sickness guy. And that, that's frankly why, probably the main reason we've never been on a cruise. I've come real close. I've heard all the arguments for them against them and how much fun and all the food and all that jazz. But uh, there's only one little problem. The boat. And it's in the water. And the water can make the boat go up and down. And when the boat goes up and down and I'm in the boat, everything that's in my stomach goes overboard. I just get motion sickness real easy. So I got to tell you, 
I'm in sympathy with the disciples here. And there's a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Never, never mind to getting kicked around. This thing's ready to go down. And verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, you can take that two different ways. You, you can take that the way I usually take it when God's not answering fast enough. Hey, God, would you please wake up? I got a problem. Why are you sleeping? Or you could take it another way. If Jesus is asleep and he's in the boat, the boat's not going down and there mustn't be anything to worry about. And look what it says. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And we've all been there. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that she have no faith? When you stop and think about it, in verse 35, if you'll look there, Jesus said, let's go, let's go to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. That's why the ship could not sink. Jesus said it was going to the other side. Yeah, but Lord, there's a lot of wind here. Jesus said it's going to the other side. Yeah, but there's all these waves. Yeah, but Jesus said it's going to the other side. Hey, it's filling up with water. Jesus still said, we're going to the other side. Do you think Jesus is going to plan to cross there in the boat and have it sink when he said, we're going to the other side? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Some people get up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord, and others get up and say, good Lord. It's morning. Another little hint on this is don't live too close to your failures. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you cast those cares and even sins on the Son of God, uh, don't, don't do like they do with the cast net and wrap a rope around your, your wrist and cast it out there and pull it back. Release it. And let it go and remember that he said, he said, he said, and we'll, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you remember Y2K when at the stroke of midnight in the year 2000, all of our computers were going to jump off the desk and attack us? What happened to that? How many of you remember when we were all going to die of AIDS? Remember that one? We were, some of you aren't old enough to remember that one. We were all going to die of AIDS. Whatever happened to that one? Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And this business of worry and anxiety can short-circuit our focus on the Lord. And then we start consuming all of our anxieties and then we don't see God's promises we don't see his word the way we should these things got to be gotten out of the way we need to cast our cares upon him he says in verse 6 be careful for nothing but in everything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God but in everything now see sometimes we rationalize well this is a little thing 
Yeah, but if it's bothering you, God wants you to bring it to him. If it's bothering you. If it's bothering you, it's important enough to him to deal with. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. He cares. In everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't forget to thank him that he's going to answer the prayer. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, we all have peace with God, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, when we are in Christ. Judicially, uh, the enmity has been taken away. We have peace with God. We're saved now. And, and then we can also have the peace of God if we'll follow what he just showed us here in the verses 6 and 7. The peace of God which passeth all understanding, by the way. In other words, it transcends your circumstances, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at that old English. Keeping your mind. Keeping, we talk about somebody losing their mind. Anxiety and worry can cause us to lose our mind. God wants us to be able to keep our minds. So he wants us to follow this formula and then notice, notice verse 8. Notice verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Have you ever met somebody who is a believer and just all the time praising the Lord and thanking God for every little thing and you ever met one of those like that and, and they just kind of annoy you? Do you know what? They shouldn't annoy us. They got it right. They got it right. And you know what we're thinking sometimes? Yeah, yeah, I get all that. But you don't understand what I'm dealing with. He's dealing with something too. He's just learned how to look past it and keep his eyes on Christ and keep his joy and praise the Lord. And if you look at verse 8, I mean, Norman Vincent Peale didn't in, 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 um, invent positive thinking. Joel Osteen didn't perfect it. You know what's wrong with those guys? They take these promises and apply them to lost people. Hey, lost guy that's going to hell, all things work together for good for you. No, they don't. Going to hell isn't working for good. That's a Christian's promise. Those guys aren't entirely wrong. They're just misapplying the promises. Folks, you can't, you can't do more positive thinking than verse 8. Look at it again. How, how can you expand on positive thinking from that list? You know what we need to learn to do? We need to learn to do what Paul told us to do there in verse 8. Think of some things that are true. You know some things that are true. Don't, don't spend your whole life digging up the latest, the latest conspiracy Well, we struck a nerve there, didn't we? Some of you are not, not going to know what to do this week. Because some people, that's all they do. Uh, how about this one? Uh, whatsoever things are honest. Don't spend, your, don't spend your whole week figuring out who's the next guy or politician or whatever. They caught in a lie. By the way, why is somebody always surprised when they find somebody is lying? As Christians, doesn't the Bible say, let God be true and Every man a what? Liar. Gee, that's news. Uh, whatsoever things are just. 
What's worth? Don't, don't spend all your time thinking about all the injustices in life. And if you spend too much time with the news and with the media, that's all you'll be thinking about. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are pure. Take a look at that little baby, amen? Take a look at something pure and, and undefiled. Whatsoever things are lovely. All I got to do is just look at my wife. All you got to do is look at your wife. Guys, you guys, mar- you guys are like me. You married way above your head. Just admit it. And you ladies, you can look at your kids. <laughs> what? I told the guys last night, I said, look. I said, guys fall in love with what they see. I said, for most of us, it's obvious that women don't. Amen. <laughs> There's other motivations there. Uh, whatsoever things are of good report. Or a good report. There's something good happening. Hey, I'll tell you some good reports. Just step out into the foyer after the service this morning and, and look at those missionary letters. Stories of people getting saved. That's a good report. Keep your mind on that. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things, verse 9, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now, and, and, and the God of peace shall be with you. We have peace with God. We can have the peace of God. And in so doing, we'll have the peace of, uh, the God of peace uh, with us. I often think of John. He always described himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. Is that how you would describe yourself this morning? I'd say, I'm that disciple whom Jesus loves. I know that. I sense that. I sense that. May I, may I challenge you this week to, to think about that and ask yourself the question, is, is that your sense of things? It, it should be. That's how John, John looked at it. And so we're to cast our care upon him because he cares for us. And he says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now, when we talk about confidence in a biblical sense, we're not talking about Tony Robinson's pers- uh, Robin's personal power you know, getting yourself all jacked up on your abilities and, and just running around going, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. No, we're talking about our, our confidence in the word of God. The Bible says being confident of this very thing, that he, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You see, it's not about your ability. It's not about your power. It's about his ability and his power. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, thy sleep shall be sweet. He goes on to say, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh, for the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, and the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Uh, Paul in Acts chapter 28, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I was thinking about that this morning and I'm gonna tell you something right now. The only reason 
I would dare to go from that chair to this pulpit and, and, and stand here in front of you for 40 minutes and talk is because I believe God's got something for you from his word. And all I got to do is get it, is, is extract it and deliver it and, and stay as much out of the way as I possibly can. Otherwise, I wouldn't do this. They've taken polls of the things that people fear the most. And in the top five, you know what's one that always is there close to the top? Fear of public speaking. In fact, in many cases, it's number one over a diagnosis of cancer. Some people would rather have a doctor say, you got cancer, than be asked to stand in front of people and talk. And you want to know something? Without the word of God, I think that would be close to the top of my list. And I'm amazed. Here you are today. Why? To hear from me? What do I have? Just like when you go out to witness to lost people. Don't think about me and who you are and whether they'd be interested in hearing from you. Think about the message you got. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's a person's ticket to heaven. You get to walk around offering people an opportunity to go to heaven. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like the Dosakis commercial, the most interesting man in the world. You're not him. And by the way, you don't have to be him. All you got to do is give them the gospel because that's the most interesting thing in the world and the most important. Paul preaching with all confidence. Uh, the Bible says, in whom we have boldness, Ephesians 3, and access with confidence by the faith of him. Let's turn to, let's turn to uh, Psalm chapter 13 and we'll close with this. Are you casting away your care or your confidence? If you're casting away your care and, and casting it on him, like he asked you to do, then and you will maintain your, your spiritual, your, your confidence, your faith in the word of God, and that he'll, he'll, he'll do through you and for you and to you what needs to be done. But if, but if you cast that away and hang on to your fears, then it's gonna be just a reverse. And, and God, God doesn't want you to live in misery and anxiety and worry. He wants you to live in, in peace, and he wants you to have that confidence. So I want you to look at... Psalm 13, I know we've looked at this before, especially on, on uh, Wednesday night. And <clears throat> if you think I'm obsessed with this chapter, then you're exactly right, because I am. I'm obsessed with this chapter. And I'm obsessed with it for a very good reason, because I think it's one of the greatest examples of the transforming power of prayer in the life of the believer. Look at verse 1. He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Well, that sounds like a guy that can't find God. That's David. That's, uh, we talk about the sure mercies of David. That's David. And he thinks God's forgotten him. And it's been a while. He can't find God. And verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Far better to have physical pain than soul pain. And he's in soul pain now. But look at verses 3 and 4. Look what happens here. Verses 1 and 2, those aren't really prayer. That's just whining. Do you ever get down on your knees to pray and you just ended up whining? 
I've done it. That's what that is. I mean, this, this is despair. This is, this is accusing God of having checked out of the whole universe. But look at verse three. He gets down to real prayer. Look at what he says. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, I believe his trouble wasn't imagined. I believe it was real. But now he's getting down to really praying. And he says, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Now watch the transformation in verses 5 and 6. And it's all because of prayer. He says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Claim it. When you pray, claim the answer. Thank him ahead of time for answering. That's what's called watching unto prayer. I prayed. I'm anticipating the answer. I don't know where it's coming from, so I'm looking all around. I'm excited. That's what he's doing here. And look at verse 6. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Now look, block out verses 2 through 5. Pretend like they don't exist. And read 1, and then read verse 6. Verse 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Verse 6, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Doesn't even sound like the same guy, does it? And you know what the difference is, folks? It's prayer. He took it to the Lord in prayer. He cast all his care upon the Lord because the Lord cares for you this morning. I'm not preaching to the guy next to you. I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm preaching to you. And God's word says that you are loved by him. And he cares about your concerns, even the little things, in everything, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that your requests be made known unto God. The Christian life is so simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus, but beware of the distractions because you can only focus on one thing at a time. It is his will that I should cast my care on him each day. He also bids me not to cast my confidence away. But oh, how foolishly I act when taken unaware. I cast away my confidence and carry all my care. The guys that walk... Uh, tight ropes are called funambulists. Funambulists, not fundamentalists, funambulists. I don't know what that word means. But they say when they teach these guys to walk a tight rope, all, all the beginners make the same beginner mistake. They got the stick in their hand, that pole, whatever you call it. And when they get on the rope, they look down at the rope. And then the first thing they do is fall. What they have to learn to do is not to stare at their feet in the rope, but to look out at the goal. And by the way, they say they're never in balance. Their body is constantly adjusting. The, 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 the feet and, and that, that long pole they use and little subtle adjustments constantly, constantly they're readjusting to get balanced. But they said the one thing they have to learn to do is look out at the platform, at the goal, and not look down. Folks, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We, we, we thank you for your care for us. And Father, forgive us for when we doubt it. Forgive us for when we doubt it. And help us to learn to cast all our care upon you, knowing that you do care for us. Lord, help us not to cast away our confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. As each of us goes into the week this week, help us to know that you're there. You're there already. You're, 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 you're waiting in tomorrow for us because you're Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. And you already know what's waiting for us, and you've got it handled. You've gotten it taken care of. And so help us to look to you and to walk in our lives with that confidence, with that faith, with that knowledge, keeping our eyes on our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Number 164, let's stand and sing. Number 164. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? songs 
that a good song? Thank you, Brother Marshall. That's a wonderful song. And Brother Mike Walski, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? Let's all bow before the Lord. Our Father and our God, we are grateful to be here this morning. Grateful for the word preached. Grateful for the opportunity to hear and listen and apply it to our lives throughout this week, throughout our lives. Lord, we're grateful that we have such a God that loves us. We have such a God that we can cast our care upon him. You care for us. You love us. You're concerned about our troubles and our problems. You're concerned about our fears. Lord, we are so grateful. What a blessing and what a help and what a comfort. Father, we ask and pray that you're blessed throughout the day. May we, Lord, throw our cares upon you. And Lord, may you lift us, may you stir us, and may you help us to focus our attention on you. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.